0: A lot going on in November, a lot of fun opportunities. And this morning, it's good to be here. I've been the last couple days at our Men's Encounter event where we have a great group of guys that are still wrapping up their time uh, south of Kansas City at our men's event. We had just powerful stuff. Um, but I'm glad to be here for a lot of reasons. But one is it's just good to be. I love being around with a bunch of dudes, but... on Rob. What? All right. not sure I stand too far up. All right. Anyway, <clears throat> um, it's good to good to be back. It's funny. I rolled into our, the men's thing, it started Friday night. And there's just something about you get 180 guys out in the country together. Friday night it starts. And I walk into this room with 180 guys. And there's a whole bunch of flannel. There was a whole bunch of sweats, but it literally looked like these guys hadn't had a shower in a week already, and it just sort of like had that gnarly feel. I don't know if you get, it's like, wow, this is, this is crazy, like, no women around, I guess nobody cares what they look like or smell like or anything else, and it was, it was great, but it's good to be with some civilized people again as well, <laughs> back in, back, back here, but, uh, yeah, good to be here. We're talking today about a story um, about a test that was in the Bible, and it's kind of test season. Those of you who are in college, there's next round of midterms, looking up at finals, and um, none of us really love tests. We're looking at a, this is called Time for an EKG, because it's a test not just of our knowledge, but of our hearts. And we're going to look at a story of how God tested what was in someone's heart, and really what we can what he wants us to learn from that. And so I just want to pray. This morning, we're just gonna, it's going to be pretty simple. We're going to read through the story and just trust God to speak to us what is relevant to our lives. But um, if God doesn't show up, if he doesn't speak to us, then we're just, you know, this is a waste of time. And It's not a waste of time because he is here and he's, he's speaking to us. But I just want to, let's just bow our heads and invite God to really speak to us this morning. Lord, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you're for us. God, yeah, just thank you today that we are that not alone, but that the God of the universe is, is with us and for us. And in this moment, Lord, today, you want to speak something to our hearts, speak something to our minds that can bring us life, that can bring us in a greater relationship with you, and greater fullness of life that you have for us. God, we just ask that you would speak. Even as I read this story, Lord, would you breathe upon your word? By your Spirit, and speak whatever you want us to hear in our hearts, Lord, and help us to have a heart to respond, and trust you, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Genesis 22. This is a story about Abraham. I actually was reading this story in we have a a, a, bed, a kids Bible story book that I like to read to our kids at night, and I read the story recently, and I was like. Wow, it's crazy that this, this story is so intense. Why is it even in a kid's, it's kind of wild if you step back and think about it, that it's in a kid's storybook. Like, you would think, like, that would be one of those that you, like, stay away from. But it's actually, there's something very, it's very, it's there for a reason. And there's a, there's a lot that God wants us to get from this. And so I'm just going to read this story. Genesis 22, it involves Abraham the father of the Jewish nation, and then he's considered the father of our faith as well, and, and his son Isaac. And this is important to notice is that the, towards the end of Abraham's life, he's, he actually lived to be 175 years old, so long life, but he had been promised by God that he and his wife Sarah would have a child, have a son, and that God was going to multiply them and make them a mighty nation, but that didn't happen right away. And it didn't happen after one year or two years. It was year after year, decade after decade, before God's promise was fulfilled. And so the promise that God had for Abraham and his wife Sarah, the first sign of it really being fulfilled, of them having a child, happened when Abraham was 100 and his wife was 90. And so just you know, it was miraculous, really showing that God's promises are only by his power not by us bringing it about by, by natural means. And so sometime after this, Abraham was over 100 years old, and he'd really walked faithfully with God for a lifetime. When he had been a young man, well, we don't even know how young, but a lot younger, God had called him originally from his culture that was full of idol worshipers, and God called him and said, Hey, I want you to leave basically everything you know. Leave your hometown, leave your culture, leave your father and your family, and go to the land that I will show you, and I'll give you as an inheritance. And Abraham believed God. He believed that this the, this call to leave everything that was familiar, everything that was comfortable, everything that he knew, he believed that it was legitimately from God, and actually trusted God and had left everything and followed God, and then lived this life of trust with God for decades. And I think just to set the story, it's... You would have thought, like, he'd, he'd, like, he's over 100, it's time to retire, it's time to, like, coast, it's time to stop having hard things in your life, right? That's how I would think. But there's a hard thing that God's going to ask Abraham right here. Actually, the hardest thing of his whole life is about to be presented to him. And so, let's just read the story. Chapter 21. Sometime later, God, chapter 22 of Genesis. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. That's kind of a wild statement. Or an important statement: God tested Abraham. And God does test us. God tests people. If you think about God is a teacher, God is a parent. any good teacher gives their student test, because a test reveals where you're at. You can't really know where someone's at unless there's a test. A test reveals where you're at like nothing else. And the, the Bible is very clear in James. We're told God doesn't tempt people. He doesn't tempt us. That's, that's, that's from the enemy. But God does test us. And so a lot of times when we get tests, we're like, Oh, man, why is my life so hard? How could this happen? How could God let this happen to me? We're a lot like the, you know, the ninth grader going, Man, how could my geography test be so hard? This is not fair. You know, like, that's the kind of our emotion with it all. Just like, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem just. But there is a purpose in the test, because it reveals where we're at, and it helpfully brings us into something more. So God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied. They've got this relationship. God speaks to him. I can just imagine Abraham going, oh man, God, what do you want to speak to me? Like some word of affirmation, encouragement, another promise, you're with me, you're for me. Here I am, Lord. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Whoa. Uh, you know what I was saying? Why is this in a kid's Bible storybook? Why is this even in our Bible storybook, right? Like, this is intense. God's asking to take his son, his only son, and sacrifice him. That's intense. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. That's crazy to me. Like, man, you, he, there's no delay. God gave him this very difficult test. And Abraham immediately woke up the next day and proceeded to obey what God was telling him to do. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Now I just have to wonder, what were those three days like? Here's Abraham and his son and their two servants. And Abraham was walking towards this distant region where he is going to go sacrifice his son. And what... What is the conversation like? What is he feeling? What is he telling Isaac? I just can't even imagine the depth of intensity of this this trip. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. It's interesting. He's God, Abraham has seen all this as an act of worship. And he even says in that, we will come back to you. We'll we'll get back to that later. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering. Isaac's starting to put too into like, wait a minute here. We're going to sacrifice to God. We've got all this, all the gear. Everything's here for our sacrifice, except one thing. What are we going to offer? Where's the offering? Abraham answered, God Himself will, will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. You can imagine, it's all of heaven, I think, is watching this scene. Just as much as the emotion for Abraham and Isaac, all of heaven is just watching what is going on, what is going to happen, what is, this is at this, right at the very moment. The angel of the Lord um, calls out to him. Here I am, he replied. And really the angel of the Lord, it's generally understood that's an expression for the Lord, or maybe an Old Testament description of Jesus, actually the Son of God that we see in in the Old Testament. Um, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, you pass the test. I've been watching. You pass the test. Because you did this, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Wow. Wow, so much in here. What does this story tell us? Well, first thing I see in this is that God, He has the right, and He does ask us to sacrifice our number one treasure for Him. And that's, that's one thing for us to like say, like, yeah, God, I love you more than anything else. I'll give my life to serve you. It's easy to say that, or it, maybe it's, it's somewhat easy to say that, or to sing words in a song that say that. But the real test is, is when God puts his finger on a specific thing in our life, right? When you may be like, God, you got my whole life. Hey, can you give $100 to that person? Oh, whoa, 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 wait, I don't know about that. you got my whole life, but I don't know about $100, right? Like, we're so, like, grandiose in our, like, expressions of our commitment. But God may say, hey, how about you put me first in your finances, or, hey, tr- whatever it is, trust me with your children, or your career, How about you trust me with your career? Give that to me. Whatever it is. And for Abraham, this was like the son, as God said, the son whom you love. Isaac was mm, like the ultimate thing that he loved the most. It was his son, his son he had waited for for a hundred stinking years. He had trusted God for him, and he's growing up, and he's got this relationship now. And he was... The promise of God, you know, it was an evidence of God's promise to him being fulfilled. Like, you gave me this son, you're going to use me to be part of your story in changing the world. Okay, that's, yeah, this is it. Like, this is, this is it. It's a badge of honor. Like, hey, I trusted you, and now I've got evidence that, man, I, I, like, I trusted God. It was that number one thing. And then God said, hey, how about that thing? I want you to sacrifice that to me. And God God does ask us to sacrifice. There's always an element of sacrifice involved in following Christ. When we see the stories of Jesus calling people to follow him, there's almost always they had to leave something. They left their family or they left their occupation. They, they, like Jesus said, um, He'd say, Hey, you need to sell everything and then come follow me. There was this, this price, this sacrifice that's always involved in letting something go to follow God. And he has the right to do that because, because he's God. Jesus said in in Matthew 10, 37-39, He said, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There's always that element. And why why does God do this? Well, I don't know the full answer to that. But I know what's in this story. It, we're told God; it was a test. One of the reasons God does this is to test us and to see what's in our heart. What's, what does our EKG show? Tests show where we're at, and tests can help us grow. And you know, sometimes even good things in our life can become idols. They can become things, not just sometimes, but often. Good things in our life, even things that God gives us, can become things that we start loving more than Him, that we put above Him. And I can only imagine, you know, that that maybe there was that, that, I imagine that temptation was there for, for Abraham and Sarah. That this gift that God had given them with their son and all that represented really being part of God's story and their life counting and having a son, it would be easy to start trusting that more than God. And that's, that's different for all of us. I, I think for us, you know, but, but sometimes the good things can become idols. It can be our kids, it can become our marriage, it can become success. My wife and I have been talking about one of the biggest challenges for us or the thing that can easily take the place of God is, is the idea of ministry success. Like, his word, that's what we do is an occupation or we give a lot of our lives to. And it started out like, why did I go into ministry as an occupation? Well, it was because God touched my life so much, and the relationship with him was so real. and then I had the joy of like helping other people connect with God and, and grow. and it's like, God, I think this is what you're calling me to do, and wow, how great would that be to just like help people and just like see people 's lives touched. But then it can easily morph into losing the essence of that and becoming like success in ministry is what I take my confidence in. And if I am deemed successful or if I have enough evidence of enough to change lives, then that's, like, really important. And that's, that's what I can put confidence in instead of what it's really all about. And so, man, it's, it's easy for that to happen with us. And, you know, sacrifice. I think about the They all want this story. It wasn't just like, hey, could you, like, take Isaac and maybe send him off to a monastery but it was, that was a sacrifice. It was a literal blood sacrifice. And sacrifice is such a bloody word, really, if you think about it. It's, yeah, it's so intense. It's actually the dying of killing of, of something to, as an act of worship. And really the things that, there's an element of following God where it is taking the things that we can easily hold on to and sacrificing them. Like, really, like, having to die to that thing being what we love the most and what we hold on to. And really surrendering that to God. And it's not just, like, a shallow thing. And, our, you know, we live in this culture where it's, like, air conditioning and everything, but it looks good. And we, like, are in control. But there's an element of following God. It, 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 it's real and it's intense. And it's, it's, it gets to the core of our, our blood and our emotions at the very deepest level. So, God asks us to sacrifice our number one treasure. But what we have to remember, or what makes this all really put it in perspective, is that whatever God asks of us, he gives more. God never asks us to do something that he doesn't do for us, and infinitely more. And in this story, like was, was God ever going to make, make Abraham kill Isaac? No. That was not going to actually happen. And if Abraham hadn't actually been willing to obey, he, might not have, he wouldn't have known that, because he had to get to the point of obedience to see what God was going to give back to him. But, so God wasn't going to make Abraham literally kill his son. And that, but as I was just thinking about the story as a dad, and just like how like intense and how horrible that would be. And then you know what? Actually, God did do that. That thing that he would never ask us to do, he did that. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he became the sacrifice for us. And that, even what it would be for us to give up our, our child, God experienced, he went through with that more fully. And the intensity of it and the separation and the loss was more than anything we could ever imagine. And so I think that's probably the number one reason the story is in the Bible. For us to have a picture of that's the love of God towards us. Like he actually did that. And that's a good leader never asks people to do what they're not willing to do or what they're already doing. And God gives everything he asks and more. Um, this is really the stories in the Bible to point us to the cross, to point us to the gospel. That it's interesting, Moriah, Mount Moriah where Abraham took Isaac, that later became the Temple Mount, the mount where Solomon built his temple. And sacrifices were offered. We see that in in 2 Chronicles chapter 3. That was the place. And so the the Hebrews realized that this, (coughs) Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac, and then it really became the sacrifice of that lamb, became the place where where lambs and and cattle were sacrificed as a temporary appeasement or offering for sin um, until the Messiah came. And ultimately, that was in the same area in Jerusalem where Jesus was sacrificed for us. And so this is really a foreshadowing, not so much about what we can give for God, but what God gives for us. And he, he gave his son. And we see that, the ram in the thicket, that God is providing a sacrifice in that place where we, we really need a sacrifice. He did what we can't even imagine asking anybody else to do um, for us. In, in John eight fifty six. Jesus is talking about Abraham, and he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. So Jesus is saying, hey, Abraham, he saw the day when I was going to come, and he rejoiced. And literally that, if you break up the Greek, the the tense of that, is it was not just like a day, like a, like a General reference to the time period where Jesus lived, but it was this uh, a specific day. He rejoiced at seeing a specific day. It's speaking about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Abraham, by faith and his, through his relationship with God, he saw this. Even I think, as he was going through this, this wise man who walked with God for years, he knew that there was something more going on, and this this sacrifice was not really about his sacrifice. But it was pointing to the Messiah and how he was going to give his, his life, give his son for the nations, for, for us. And so God gives everything he asks of us and more. And then the last thing I see in this story that I just want to talk about this morning and it's so amazing is that whenever God, whenever we, he asks us to sacrifice, he exchanges our sacrifice for something better. We are like, hey, no, I I can't let go of that. I need to hold on to that. But whatever God asks us to give to him, it's so that he can give us something better. And we hold on to stuff, and it keeps us from the fullness of life, that, even more that God, God has for us. And we see this, what Abraham and Isaac had at the end of the story was more than they had at the beginning. Their understanding, their relationship with God was at a whole new place. Their, um, their depth of relationship. There, Through that we saw that God established the promise not only with Abraham but with Isaac directly that, hey, yeah, I am going to give you this land and your offspring are going to be part of my purposes. I have chosen you. And because you passed this test, you're coming into this fullness of getting to be a part of my purpose in the world. They came into something so much more. And that's whatever we, we are afraid to give to God when he asks us to give him something. It's so that he can bring us into something more. And that's, that's always his heart. Um, it's wild that Abraham understood that. We see this when he, before, if you caught that, before they went, when he told his servants, hey, we're going to go and then we're going to come back. Abraham understood that, no, God's like, he's going to give us something more. In Hebrews, it, de- it describes what was happening even more. In Hebrews eleven 17, we're told that by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking he did receive Isaac back from death. Wow, I just I love this example of Abraham. This guy has some serious faith. He's like God, you gave me a promise. You promised that you're going to establish my offspring as a mighty nation. I'm going to be part of your purposes, my offspring are going to be part of your purposes. You told me that this is the one who you're going to do it through. So, you know what? That's what you said. That's what your promise is. So if you're gonna if you're gonna ask me to sacrifice him, this is just gonna be a chance for you to raise him from the dead. So let's see how this let's let's see how this plays out, God. This sounds crazy, but you you're, you are faithful. And you always give more back. And so this is just a chance for me to see how you're gonna show yourself in this situation. And he stinking walked through with it. Because he understood that. And God could have raised Isaac from the dead, just like he did with Jesus. But he figuratively did receive him back from the dead. And that's how God is with us. When we give something to God, it's not for God to deprive us. It's for, us, for him to bring us into more of what he has for us. Um, some of us in this room and some others are part of a, a thing we're doing called Living Waters right now. And... Um, most of what happens there is confident. A lot of what happens is confidential. Um, but I asked Michael if I could share this story about something that happened this week. It's not really um, anything to hide, it's just a cool story. Um, so, we actually, our topic this la- last week was about idols and how idols keep us from what God has for us. Anything that is in our life that's more important than God. And so, at the end of our, of our teaching, um, everybody was asked, we asked the question to God, which is many of you have probably asked this question before said, so "God, just would you speak to me? But God, what is the idol? Is there an idol that is in my life right now that I'm putting above you?" And when Michael asked that question, he saw a picture in his mind of car keys to a Porsche. And he's he's and he explained this to in our small group. He's like, "Yeah, my whole life, like our family didn't have a lot of money and I've had this idea that, like, you know, if I can just get enough material success, have enough things, and have nice things. Like, if I've had this idea, like, I want to have a nice sports car someday, something like a Porsche. And, like, that would be, like, the essence of knowing, like, that I have security. And, like, I've gotten out of my, you know, my family financial situation, but I've got these material things. And I realize, okay, that's an idol that I've been trusting in. I've been putting my trust in that. So I saw those keys, and I... Gave those keys to God. And then the follow up question we asked is, God, is there anything? What do you want to replace that idol with? And Michael said when that happened, he saw pictures, he saw another key. And then the, the, the image went on. It wasn't just, like, he didn't just see the keys, but it was, they were keys to like a, it wasn't like an even nicer, like Lamborghini or something. It was like an average used SUV. and But then he looked inside, and there in that SUV was his wife, Bailey. And then in the back seat, there were three boys. And they were getting ready to go on like a trip to Colorado for like a camping trip together as a family. And I get emotional just thinking about that. Because it's like, wow, that's so cool. That like, the thing that Michael envisioned, like, that's where fullness of life is, you know, if I can just have that. God's like, no. Set that aside. Really, there's a better life that I have for you. And it's not immaterial things or possessions. But I have a family for you and experiences together and a richness and a fullness of life. That's, that's what I have for you. And that's whatever God asks us to give. He gives us something more. He leads us. We can, Many of us can tell stories of how, how that's worked in our life. And so... You know, I know that's been the story of my life. Every time I come to the place of, okay, ministry success, whatever it is, all right, God, I give that to you. What I get back is so much more. And it's the fullness and the peace and the, the life that we were, we were meant for. And so, what about you? I trust God speaking to us this morning. What is it that God's putting his finger on in your life this morning? If you ask that question, God, what's, what's the thing that I don't want to let go of? What's the thing if I were to say, God, anything but that? What, what would that be? And is there anything that you're, you're holding on to? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's the relationship with a significant other or the idea of a significant other. Maybe it's a child um, or parent. Maybe it's money and possessions. Maybe it's success or career or power. Any of those things. But I want to encourage us to... Trust those things to God this morning. To sacrifice those things to him. Knowing that he's worthy of that. And he always wants to bring us into something more as we trust him. Um, worship team, why don't you go ahead and come on back up. We're going to worship God. <clears throat> One more song here. Um, any questions about any of this oh yeah again, I was halfway through the talk and I was like you know I didn't really talk about the title EKG yeah that's a heart test electrocardiogram so that was a, so yeah that's the idea of an EKG test is a test of the status of your heart how healthy is your heart What's going on? So, yeah, this whole idea was like God tests what's in our heart and where we're at with trusting Him in our heart. Thanks for asking. I knew there was a question out here. Good. Anything else? Any other questions? All right, let me ask. Let's, why don't you guys go ahead and, well, you can sit down for a minute. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Thank you, God. We thank you that you're so good. We thank you that you love us enough to, to test us. You love us enough to call us away from putting our trust in idols or anything else besides you. Lord, would you help us? Help us to be like Abraham. Help us to love you so much and to know you so much and to trust you so much that we are willing to to live this out. Today, this week, God, I pray if there are specific things that you're putting or where you're putting your finger on specific things in our lives this morning, that you would make that crystal clear. Lord, I pray that we would not be able to leave here without knowing, God, this is what you're saying to me. Lord, I also pray that we wouldn't be able to leave here without knowing that you always exchange those things for something better. Lord, and thank you for the ways that you unfold that, the ways that you're going to bring us into more, the ways that you are bringing us into more. Help us, God. We love you, we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.